0: Turn with me tonight to Proverbs chapter 13. And we'll read verses 1 through to 12. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's hear the word of God. We'll read from verse 1. A wise son heareth. His father's instruction. But a scorner heareth not rebuke. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. A righteous man hateth lying. But a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. But wickedness overthroweth the sinner. There is that maketh himself rich yet have nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Amen, we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text tonight is found in proverbs 13 verse 7 it reads as follows there is that maketh himself rich yet of nothing there is that maketh himself poor yet hath great riches now i've entitled tonight's message rich man or poor man during his earthly ministry the lord jesus told many parables And one of those parables actually stands as a fitting illustration of the truth of Proverbs 13, verse 7. The Lord Jesus told the story of a certain rich man. That rich man had everything of this world's goods. He had the best of housing. He even had a gate at home. He he ate the best of food. He was enriched in his belly. He he had uh, lovely uh, clothes on his back. Uh, he, He was a wealthy individual. He had access to wealth. And I no doubt that this man was the envy of many in his community. I have no doubt he had loads of friends. I have no doubt that many were vying for his friendship. He was a man of plenty. Now contrast that man of plenty with a, a man who's in abject poverty. Think of a poor beggar lying at the gate. That poor beggar's called Lazarus, Luke 16. This man was sickly. He was full of sores. He had aches and pains. The Bible tells us that he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. It doesn't tell us that the rich man supplied him food or sent out his servants some food and blankets and medicine for him. It does say that the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, these two men were different in life. These two men stood in stark contrast one to another. A man of plenty and a man of poverty. One was rich. And the other was poor. And yet, in the providence of God, these two men had one thing in common. And it was this. Both men died. The beggar died. Luke 16 and 22. The Bible tells us in 1622, the rich man also died and was buried. Do so you think of these two men taken by the enemy called death? And after death, the Lord Jesus Christ reveals a big change in both men's status the rich man who had plenty is now reduced to total and abject poverty. He awoke in the awful place that the Bible calls hell. He cried out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus and let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Why? For I am tormented in this. Isn't that terrible news? A man who was drinking goblets of water and jugs of wine probably during his sojourn on earth. Now he's looking for someone to dip the tip of the finger just in water. A little drop, even if you could call it a droplet. And cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He was told. Lazarus. Even though he was poor in this world and hadn't much of this world's goods, we're told in Luke chapter 16 and in the verse 25, these words by the Lord Jesus. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Lazarus is in heaven. Why? Why? Not because he was a poor man, but because he repented of his sin and trusted in Christ. And the rich man, even though he had plenty, was not in hell simply because he was a rich man. He was in hell because he didn't repent of his sin and put his faith and trust in Christ. Now that story told by the Lord Jesus is a powerful illustration of the truth That Solomon the king observed in his day and generation Listen to the words There is that maketh himself rich and yet hath nothing There is that maketh himself poor yet hath great riches Material riches and wealth will be of little account of happiness in this life And in the world to come One may work hard to make himself rich He could even pretend to be rich, a millionaire or a billionaire. But he'll find at the end of his life that he has actually got nothing. Now think of that. All his money and all his great wealth couldn't purchase health for him. Couldn't purchase happiness for himself. And certainly couldn't produce holiness of heart and life that will stand the test in eternity. And in contrast... A man who deliberately, by way of choice, makes himself poor. That's on a a material level. This man decides to use his substance in a very generous way to help others. That man has great riches, great reward in this life. And in the life to come. So think of it. Solomon is taught and he's teaching us that possessors of great riches in this life can end up with nothing because they're not rich toward God, while the poor and destitute in this world, they're the ones that end up being totally rich. And isn't that a summary of the lives of all men, women, and young people within humanity? Now, three things in this text of Scripture that come to mind as I read this text and thought about the subject of riches. Think about the deceitfulness of riches. See, the word riches, young people, is used 95 times in the Bible. And I would encourage you to look up Bible words and find out the many times that they're used. And as part of the context of that 95 references to riches, the Lord Jesus spoke about the deceitfulness of riches. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 13 and in the verse uh, 22. He says, He that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And if we were to link it up with Mark chapter 4, in Mark chapter 4, Uh, We read in the uh, verse uh, 19, uh, this particular statement, Mark 4 and verse 19, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. You see, the reality is there is such a thing as the deceitfulness of riches. Many today define themselves by their wealth. They define themselves by their wealth, and that's their status in the world. They're thinking about their net worth. I'm a millionaire. I'm a billionaire. Did you know that a German philosopher, a man by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, he wrote a book at the turn of the century, and the book was entitled the death of God in Western society. You see, there's many today believe that God is dead, just like they did in Elijah's day. And in this book, he wrote about the absence of God in Western culture and argued that it's been replaced by the worship of money. And people use their wealth, To identify their status, people are in love with material things. The material things that they possess are used as a measuring stick to ascertain their status in the world. Today we live in a culture of greed. And remember, greed is one of the seven deadly sins. Men live to please self, men live in sin, men love to sin. Men and women love to spend on themselves. You think of the words here, there is that maketh himself rich. The word maketh implies labor, toil, sweat, tears, working hard to achieve. Devoted to accumulate the riches of this world. Devoted, as far as life is concerned, to the accumulation of wealth, to, to do well, to be successful, to make money. You've got to think here of people and pounds. You see, it's a deliberate choice. It's a design in their part. Sadly, money has become their God. And it's a counterfeit God. There is such a thing as the Bible tells us uh, of the love of money. What they don't know is, according to James chapter 5 and verse 2, uh, listen to these words. Your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankled, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, uh, said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He says in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded and are trusted on certain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You see, many today have a total preoccupation with money. They eat and sleep money. They they think of nothing else but money and, and making more money. I made reference this morning to Donald Duck. And did you know that Donald Duck had an uncle called Scrooge? Think of that little cartoon. And one occasion, Donald Duck was visiting his uncle Scrooge. And he had a big mansion of a house. And he had a huge vault inside the house with a big steel door and lots of wheels. And whenever Donald came into the house, the uncle had the huge vault door open. Donald looked in and saw mountains of coins. And what was his uncle Scrooge doing? He was diving into the coins. He was rolling about. He was counting a few. But he didn't spend any. That's the point. And there are many like that. Rich men. Living for the things of this world. Men who are filthy rich in this world's goods. But they haven't got true happiness. They don't have deep inner contentment. They don't have real great satisfaction. They haven't got love in their heart. Not not even love for others. Why? Because money and riches have become their God. And in the end, what happens? Death comes and takes them away. Just like it took the rich man away. Just like it took the poor man away. Death takes them away from all that they hold dear. And what have they got at the end? Well, here's the answer. The grand total of zero. They've been taken from it. They've left it all. All their fame and all their fortune. All their recognition of being a great man, a great woman, a a wealthy person. And it's come to nothing. Because their riches count as nothing before God. Remember the rich farmer in Luke 12, bumper harvest, said to his soul, take thine ease, eat drink and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. He had made it. He was rejoicing in all that he had produced. The barns were full and bursting. He took comfort in this world's goods. He forgot the Lord, the grain that he run through his fingers, good grain. He didn't think about God. And the barns that he built, pulled down and built bigger, he wasn't thinking about the Bible, the Old Testament scriptures. The, the, the silver that he was counting, it forgot about the Savior. And he was taken from it. And here's the question, who shall it be? This man, this farmer, would have been the envy of many farmers. He had been well respected. He he, he was filthy rich, loved and lived for material things, yet in the end, taken from it, left with nothing, nothing in this life, nothing in the world to come. Is not a snap picture of today's world, the multiplicity of millionaires, billionaires, million-dollar houses. Fleets of cars, big 100 feet, 200 feet boats, homes in different parts of the world, Rome, Milan, Los Angeles, Miami. See, taken in by the riches, deceived by them, because riches have a tendency to demand to be worshipped and treated as a god. The, The love of money is a form of idolatry. The Lord Jesus told us to be on our guard. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and in the uh, verse uh, 15. Listen to these words, Luke 12 and verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. How many men live for and have fallen in love with their riches Give themselves to it. And that forms the whole basis of their status and their life. It, it defines them that they're tied up in it as to who they are. Remember the rich young ruler? He come running to the Lord Jesus. Matthew 19, verses 16, 20, and 22. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was a very important question. The question was really how can I be saved? How can I know that I'm a true, genuine Christian? Now, if he'd have come to me, I would have said, repent and believe the gospel. But that's not the answer the Lord Jesus gave. This is what the Lord Jesus said. Why do you call me good, young man? There's none good but one that is God. He then made reference to the commandments. The young man said, all these from my youth have I kept. He quoted about four or five. You see, the young man's preoccupied with his status. He's a young man of wealth. He's a young man of means, and he feels that he doesn't need anything else apart from these things. He, 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 he takes things at face value. And what did the Lord Jesus say? Go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. Take up the cross. Follow me. You see, the young man was sad at that saying. He was deceived. He couldn't see it. He didn't know some things that he was actually a sinner who had broken the law of God and had a covetous heart. He didn't know the importance of a soul. He didn't know that he needed to be saved. He he never felt his need to repent and get right with God. He was clinging and embracing to his riches. Money was his God. We say to you tonight, young people, money will not buy you God's salvation. Money will not bring you into a state of true happiness and inner satisfaction. Money will not purchase true love. It will not provide you a real identity as a real individual. What's the most valuable thing you possess? Remember the Lord Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You think of those that are rich. They're living a good life, the high life. They're spending it all in self. And yet if they die in their sins, what do they lose most? They lose their soul. They end up with nothing. The wretches testify against them. They go to this awful place called hell. A place of torment. A place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A place of outer darkness. Wouldn't that be the worst poverty ever? Could you imagine a man of plenty? And then he ends up in abject poverty. Not only in this life where he's nothing. But he ends up in this awful place for all eternity. Is that a picture of you tonight? Maybe as a young person you've set out in life And you inspire to be a rich man But at this moment you're unconverted You're outside of Christ You're not rich toward God And you're you're spiritually bankrupt Well remember the Lord Jesus called the rich farmer a fool Thy fool this night shall thy soul be required of thee Young people beware of the deceitfulness of riches. Something else very quickly in the text, not only the deceitfulness of riches, but the discernment about riches. Notice these words, there is that maketh himself poor. You see, that's a personal choice. The word maketh is very important. The modern versions, they change it to pretendeth. Now, that's a different scenario. But I I believe that the word maketh in the Hebrew Indicates a personal choice. And what's the personal choice of this individual in Solomon's day? There is that maketh himself poor. So you've got a young person who hasn't set out to become a wealthy person. He's not interested in being a millionaire or a multimillionaire or a billionaire. That's not of real importance to him. What is of real importance? Making himself poor. It's not only a personal choice, but it's a practical choice. What does that mean, Making himself poor? A life of self-denial for the sake of others? A a denial and hatred of sin? A denial and hatred of the pleasures of this world? A a life of abstinence? A a denial of many of this world's goods? Do, Do I really need this? A life of denial of self, where self is under the control of the Spirit of God. A life of denial to, to accumulate wealth for the sake of being wealthy. The, the mindset is towards poverty. Remember, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he made a very, very interesting statement. Matthew chapter 6, and verse 18, during his Sermon on the Mount when he was speaking about almsgiving, he said this, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and, nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your heart bent on the treasures upon earth or is it bent on treasures of heaven? You see, this is a personal choice. Maketh himself poor. I'm going to live a life of self-denial. I believe it's also a prudent choice. If you think of the words, yet hath great riches in the text. You see, the question is, how does the Lord see my heart? Does he see me by the Spirit of God making a, a good choice? that's personal and practical for me, that that's actually a wise investment, not only for time, but for eternity, for for a thousand of years to come. Many young people have difficulty with money. Many young people don't make wise choices when it comes to money, they they don't spend the money right. They don't have a correct standard because I believe the correct standard is Proverbs 11 and verse um, 24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, And there is that withholdeth more than his meat But it tendeth to poverty You think of a man scattering a bag of seed One bag in the field What harvest is he going to get? You think of a man scattering ten bags of seed over that field Well, Well he's going to have a different kind of a harvest That's the thought there is that scattereth because there's this desire in the heart to, to give riches to the work of God, to lay up treasure in heaven, to 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 a, a, a assist the worldwide spread of the gospel. There's that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there's that withholdeth more than his meat, but that tends to poverty. You see, that's what the Lord sees. And that's where this great discernment of riches comes in. If you can see yourself as a true self, you'll see yourself as a sinner who needs to be saved, that you've got a soul. Only Jesus Christ can save you. And, and as a Christian, then you're learning the value of true riches. You're learning the value of heavenly riches. Did the Lord say to this man, well, I look to him that is poor? and of a contrite spirit, and who trembleth at my word. Have you ever been spiritually poor before the Lord? Lord, I am nothing, and I have nothing, and I can do nothing to to recommend me to you. Lord, have mercy upon me. Remember John Calvin said, and we shared this at the last rally, the true knowledge of God is the greatest knowledge in the world. And if you have the true knowledge of God, you'll have a true knowledge of self. And if you have a true knowledge of self, there'll be this discernment about riches. Riches could become my God. The love of money is the root of all evil. Therefore, I'll have the spirit of discernment. And I will make a personal choice. I have no interest in becoming a multimillionaire or a billionaire. I'll make this practical choice. i live a life of self-denial. My heart will be the Lord's and all that I have that he's given, I'll give back a portion to him. I'll make a wise investment, laying up treasure in heaven. One final thing. A great discovery in riches. Not only the deceitfulness of riches and the discernment in riches, but the discovery in riches. You see, the Bible teaches about a rich man who became poor, that through his poverty he might be made rich. And you'll find that reference over there in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9. This is what the Bible says. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You see, the Lord Jesus was rich in his person, the Son of God. He was rich in power because he had authority from the Father to lay down his life and take it again. The Lord Jesus was rich in his purity. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. He was rich in his purpose. He came to seek and to save. That was his lost. He came to give his life at ransom for many. And the Lord Jesus, of course, was prudent. Because the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And yet, even though he was rich in all of these areas, and, and many more that I could describe, for your sake and mine, he became poor. For this reason that you through his poverty might be made rich. That is rich toward God. That's why sometimes we sing, nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. And young people, I give you this little equation tonight. Jesus Christ plus anything equals nothing. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everything. And if you have Jesus Christ as Savior, sin bearer, substitute, sacrifice, and surety, sin offering, then what need you more? Remember what faith is? Forsaking all I take him, or forsaking all I trust him. Here's a great discovery in riches. The rich man who became poor, that through his poverty, you and I can become rich toward God. And I ask tonight this simple question, do you know him? Have you got faith in Christ as Lord and Savior? If you think of those words, rich toward God, what does that mean? Well, you can enjoy the knowledge of sins forgiven. You can put your head in the pillow and say all's well with my soul. Every sin, past, present, and future is under the blood. You can comfort yourself in this truth Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. And you can think about the wonderful love of God revealed in Christ. Here's another rich part of that wonderful testimony the assurance of eternal life here and now. He that believeth hath what? Everlasting life. A full, free, and forever justification, legally declared righteous in the sight of God. You can have a new identity. You can be, discover what it is to be a man or woman in Christ. I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Adopted into God's family. God's your heavenly father. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is your savior, your shepherd, your bishop, your friend. You have access to the throne of God. Isn't he a friend in time of need? Can't we go and talk to him in prayer? What a wonderful thing it is to be able to buy and say, Heavenly Father, or even buy an emergency and say, Help, Lord! And maybe you're here in a time of need, and maybe you're concerned for the church and concerned for the country, and your heart broken about what has happened. Well, who can we go to? The late Eileen Low used to say, "Where can we go but to the Lord?" What about assurance of heaven when we die? Absent from the body and present with the Lord? What about a new body? Even when the body's put into the grave, we're going to have a glorious resurrected body like Christ. What about the hope of resurrection itself? What about living with God for all eternity? You see, this is what it means to be rich toward God. And yet I'm only scratching the surface because it, it means so many other things. A discovery in riches. Do you know the rich man who became poor? Ye through his poverty might be made rich. How have we great riches? There is that maketh himself rich yet of nothing. There is that maketh himself poor yet of great riches. high. How? How can we have great riches? How can we be rich toward God? Only through this rich man who became poor, the Lord Jesus Christ. For ye you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ it's through him we can be rich toward God and without him I have to tell you we have nothing could you imagine as we close a millionaire billionaire even has been with a flamboyant lifestyle even if he has been very philanthropic and that he's given away large sums of his wealth to aid the poor in Africa and provide water and food and medicine and so many other things and thinks he's done a great thing. And he has from a human point of view. But in the eyes of God, that to count for nothing. Why? Because he's not rich toward Is it any wonder the Bible says to the rich men to weep and howl? Why? Because many rich men live for sin and self. They live without God. They live with a love for themselves. They put themselves first. There's no life of self-denial. No identification with Christ. And they die as they live. Jesus said this as we finish. If you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. Rich man or poor man, which are you tonight? Rich woman, poor woman, which are you tonight? Rich young person, poor young person, which are you tonight? Here's the question. Are you rich toward God? Do you know this rich man called the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you've received him as Lord and Redeemer. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you.